You're listening to the Gratefully Nourished Podcast, a podcast about healing your relationship with food and body image with Jesus at the center. I'm your host and registered dietitian, Alyssa Pike. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast book club for Sacred Rhythms. Kylie Mitchell from Ama Eat That is joining me for this book club. And if you've been following along with our last book club on her podcast, you'll know that we just finished talking about breaking free from body shame. And I'll include a link for that if you haven't listened. But now we're switching over to this podcast and we're going to talk about Sacred Rhythms. And I thought we could give just a really brief some context about why we chose this book and Kylie feel free to add anything if I miss it but essentially while we were talking through breaking free from body shame we kind of had this theme that just kept coming up which was the importance of slowing down and just being kind of simpler with our routines and our rhythms and and how healing your relationship with food and body image kind of leaves you in this place of exploring your identity and and figuring out like, what are we going to do now? (laughs) And so um, I first heard about, or I first heard of Ruth Haley Barton, who is the author of Sacred Rhythms, I think in 2020. And I read a different book by her called Invitation to Silence and Solitude. And I just felt it was so helpful and so encouraging. And so I've been meaning to read Sacred Rhythms. So this is just perfect timing. So I'm really excited to talk through it. And we're just going to go chapter by chapter. And we're not overly scripted here on either of our podcasts. (laughs) So (laughs) it'll be just a conversation between us. And we're looking forward to talking with the Facebook community and just, um, encouraging everyone to get in their own communities as well, like in real life, to talk through this book and whatever that looks like for you. So I will stop there. And Kylie, do you have anything to add about how we landed here? Um, Not really. I mean, I was, you sent me a list of book options and this one sounded interesting. There are some that just seemed too controversial that I did not want to touch, um, but this one seemed <laughs> great for right now. Um, and I am curious about like, what are these sacred rhythms? You had recommended Invitation to Silence and Solitude to me previously, and I'm like reading through that still. And that's been just so helpful, like the focus on like, you know, that the desires from our heart, like wanting a mm-hmm. heart change, like that can be something that isn't talked about. Like instead, it's like the heart is always deceitful, but I'm like, wait, like, isn't our heart mm-hmm. supposed to be being transformed along the way? Like at some point, can't we start trusting some of our desires? Like if we're being sanctified and if we have the Holy Spirit within us. And so I really love these conversations around what are the rhythms that I, you know, can can put into place that keep me open and available to God, not just like mm-hmm. a practice I have to do no matter what. Like you have to read two chapters in your Bible every single morning. Like I'm already so protected from that. Like I I don't do things that I don't like to do. And so this idea of rhythms and creating, you know, the the right conditions and um, nurturing kind of your desire for Christ is is really appealing. So I'm for all those reasons excited for this book. Yeah, totally. 
And I, I like what you're talking about, the desire piece too, because that's a, I was just having a conversation with my husband earlier today about like, you know, we hear this word desire, or we even hear about our hearts. And it's, for me, it's, it's sort of been kind of a negative connotation or like a negative interpretation. Like we can't trust that it's, it's sinful and it is to a certain extent like for sure but i think exactly what you're talking about about if we're being sanctified and if we have the spirit of god in us we have good desires like our deepest desire i think is what ruth is talking about is that we long to be with god and we long to have that deeper connection with him and with others and so how do we first acknowledge that and and then how do we kind of decipher between the different desires that might be at play within us and so I think maybe we could just start there um I really I just really liked the intro in addition to the first chapter I thought the intro was great about just her talking about this she gets to this place where she's been in ministry and she's been in the church world for so long. And she's just kind of like, there's gotta be more to it. (laughs) Like, is this all there is? And I have had that same feeling, even though I don't work like in a church. Um, but I just, I've, I've been in that place of like, I feel like there's gotta be more to it. And I think if we're not careful, we start to think that that's a bad feeling. Like we start to think like, well, am I just ungrateful? Like, am I missing something? Like, did I do it wrong? Instead of, I think, understanding that it's quite normal to feel that way because our deepest longing is for God. And so how do we acknowledge that and put ourselves in situations where we can be open to God's transforming grace and mercy and all of those things? Yeah. I, for some reason, something that came to my mind was like when she said in there, like, you know, God is as close as, as your breath. Like it was something like that. Like we always have access to him, but I think there's so many like distractions in our world that Mm -hmm. like, you know, we, it's just so easy to desire other things that feel more immediate. Like this book is about sacred rhythms. Okay. I'm going to have to put something into place. And that in some ways can feel like less, well, is less instantaneous than like, um, you know, anything else going and seeing a movie, sitting down and watching Netflix, taking a bubble bath. Like not that all those things are bad, but Mm -hmm. I think there's so many distractions. And someone in my house church last night, they said like, um, we live in this satanic lullaby is what she called it, where we just have so many distractions constantly, um, maybe especially in America, where um, we don't even feel that desire for God because there's always something there to like kind of uh, corrupt that, not corrupt that desire, but to um, circumvent the true desire and then put our desire, try to get our desire met in something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that phrase too, actually. I think it was through Jenny Allen's made for this podcast, which I don't know if I'll send it to you if you haven't listened to it, but she interviews pastor X, which 
his real name is not revealed because he's living in the Middle East. Um, And I won't rehash the whole thing, but he used that phrase as well of just like, I think that, I think it's true. Like we live in this culture where it's so easy to just be comfortable and be distracted, like really distracted. And that's not to like make people feel bad. It's just like, we have so many things vying for our attention. And so I even really liked what she said about, I think it's only on page 10 where she's talking about um, our longing for healing and transformation is met with self-help messages that leave us briefly inspired and yet burdened by the pressure of trying to fix ourselves with some new technique or skill. Hmm. Our longing for a way of life that works is most often met with an invitation to more activity, which unfortunately plays right into our compulsions and drivenness of Western culture. And so she even talks about like her first instinct when she noticed this longing was to try to tweak her schedule and learn how to say no better and adopt some new time management tools. And it's just, you get to that place where you're like, this is just still not enough. Like I'm still yearning for God and I don't even know what to do with that. I don't even know that that's what I'm feeling. I think is the first thing. <laughs> like when I started feeling this way, I think I just felt really sad a lot. Like I was like, why can't I just feel as good as I used to feel doing the things I used to do? Mm-hmm. Why is it that I feel so empty at times? Um, where you know, where does that come from? And I, I'm wondering for you, Kylie, like, have you, did you have a moment where you knew that you were longing for God and, or maybe this happens, I mean, I think this can happen more than one time for sure, but I'm wondering if you had a moment like that or, or what you did or if you knew like what words to give it and, and everything like that. Yeah. I wonder if there was a moment I, I imagine it was like a kind of a slow, like fade that direction. Um, Cause I think I just tried a lot of different things for a while and didn't realize like, Oh, this yearning is a yearning for God and like can only be satisfied in him. Um, Cause I even think about like my days, like over exercising. Um, Now Mm -hmm. I look back to that and I'm like, Oh, like, I can't exercise my way out of a a, a longing and a desire and a yearning for God. Like no amount of exercise is going to like satisfy that desire. And I think I did that with a lot of different things like my work, like, can I just work enough and that will fulfill this, you know, void inside of me. Um, What would have come after that? I I think it's really when I had my first kid, like that's when things just started shifting for me. And I was just like, I just can't keep like running at this like frenetic pace constantly. I have to be more still. And in that stillness came like um, a lot of like terror for me. And so that's where like Mm -hmm. I went like because all the all the, you know, all your habits and all your tendencies are just waiting for you. All your thoughts are just waiting for you in that silence. And that's when um, I went to therapy. I started an anti-anxiety medication. 
um, with the goal of establishing rhythms in my life that could put me in a place of health so I didn't have these like episodes of panic when I was in silence and then eventually got to a place where I could be in silence with God and like have had moments where that like desire to be with him is met and I feel like he is so close to me. But like even this morning, I was feeling like very just like nervous, um, like frantic inside and like he he felt far, you know, like it did not feel like a easy and enjoyable, like quiet time with God this morning. Um, and that frustrates me. Like it, that's, that's hard for me when that happens. Um, and yeah, I still don't really know what to do with that, but I think that's another reason. Like I'm looking forward to reading this book because in the first, in the intro, she really talked about like by maintaining a rhythm of spiritual practices, um, you know, one is able to be open and available to God. And like that, that really appeals to me. Um, and her reminders, like, you know, we're incapable of doing this on our own. Um, but we can create the conditions within which like change can take place and, and we can be close to God. God's love doesn't change for us, whether we do these actions or not, but, um, I guess we can have more nearness to him if we do have these rhythms in place. And like that really like ignites a desire inside of me. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of my response to that. But what about you? Do you like, did you have a moment where you knew that like your longings are being misplaced for something else? Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about what you just said. Cause I really like all of it, but, um, and I relate to it. I think my, my, the first time I realized that I was longing for God was probably, it was probably when I got married actually, which maybe people are surprised to hear, but I, I moved to a new city in 2017 after I became a dietitian and started a new job and I was working a lot. I was dating my then boyfriend, now husband. And I remember just having a lot going on. And so I wasn't really aware of the longing that I had. Like, like we're talking about, like, I just had so much to do work-wise and I was, I had just moved. Like it was just a busy time. And I don't think I sat still long enough to notice it. But once I got married and I, I was only working one job at the time because I was working two prior to that, um, I was only working one and I had more time in the evening alone and my husband works sort of late. And so I just went from kind of having things to do to now I'm newly married and I'm spending a lot of time in the evening at home because I hadn't made a ton of friends yet, even though I was going to church, it was just, it was difficult for me. And so I remembered I would have these nights where I was by myself and I was just like, why do I feel like this? (laughs) Like this is, it shouldn't be this hard for me to be alone for a couple hours by myself. Like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't should myself at all, 
but I was like, I feel like there's something that I'm looking for that I'm not going to find even within my marriage, which I love. Like I love my husband, but, and so I started kind of playing with the idea of digging into like, okay, what, what happens when I'm silent? Like, what is that like? And it was terrible. I hated it. (laughs) Like it didn't feel good at all. Um, But it was through that sort of slow, almost refining few years of being alone, being kind of almost forced to be with God, like for lack of a better word, and just realizing that even if my marriage is wonderful and my job is fulfilling and I have friends, like even if I have all of those things, I'm still going to be longing for God. And I knew that cognitively, but it was still so hard for me to sit before him and be quiet. And then when the pandemic hit, um, I had even more time at home because I was now working from home. And that was when I found Invitation to Silence and Solitude. And I found that book and I did the practices. And I just realized, okay, like, I know that I need this. And it feels like I'm just being hugged (laughs) whenever I do it. But it's still kind of hard for me to do. So I guess that's kind of the the first time and it really took several years, but that's when I got to that place where I was like, okay, I think I know that I need God more. I'm just being kind of slow and continually needing his encouragement and like mercy each day so that I can go back to that place and and be with him each day. So I know that was kind of roundabout, but that's where it, that's where it started for me. Yeah. It makes me think with even invitation to silence and solitude. Like when I thought about reading, you know, Ruth's next book, um, I was like, I don't even have this rhythm down, like this silence rhythm down. Like I'm, I'm just like getting into this. And for me, that looks like there's two times of week one is Monday mornings and one is Saturday mornings because I have a few hours without um, children and without interruption on those days um, and without work that I sit in silence for 11 minutes. And like I'm like, that's only happening twice a week. And I feel like I'm barely, barely doing that. Like, what are these other rhythms going to be? But I thought um, – I really like Ruth's intro or whether it was in the intro or chapter one, just about like, you know, she's going to present these rhythms and then you piece them together in a way that makes sense for your life. And that's just like so encouraging to me. Like if someone is like, you have to do it like this, this is the right way to do it. Even like I was planting flowers yesterday um, and I was just waiting for someone to like stop and tell me like, oh, like you can't plant the, the tulips now. Like we have a lot of people who like walk our neighborhood and I don't know. And I planted them all the flowers like really close together because like that's the look I wanted. And I was just waiting some reason for someone to, to tell me I'm doing it wrong. And I'm just like, I learn by trial and error. I learn by experimenting. I do not learn by looking up the right way to do something and then doing it that way. Like I I would never do something that way. And so 
the first time I do something doesn't go very well, but then I, I learned like that's, that's just how I mm-hmm. am. Um, and so I liked her like very, um, I don't know, like low pressure invitation that like, we're just going to talk about the rhythms and then you put them into your life as, mm-hmm. you know, God sees fit as, you know, the Holy Spirit leads you, then you, you know, bring them in. Cause even people who I hear like going through like Bible challenges and stuff like that, I'm like, I would get literally nothing from that. Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like I would be so unable to find that like helpful in any way or useful. Like it would just feel like I was doing a practice to do a practice just to get through it. And um, I don't know, for me, that doesn't work. And so I'm I'm excited to keep learning about these rhythms, even though I don't feel like I have silence down. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I don't think you, you I don't think you can have it down. So um, that's, that's funny, though. I mean, that's exactly how I think about it. But no, I, I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense. I love the way that it does feel low pressure. It does feel like there's some urgency, but it's also like we have to allow for this mystery. Like we have to first and foremost understand that God is mysterious. Like spiritual transformation is mysterious. There is not like I cannot make myself more spiritual as much as I wish I could. I cannot. And and I love what when she talks about she's she says like we start with desire and then we move to discipline or practices or whatever you want to say instead of like switching it the other way around which could be possible. Mm-hmm. And so I really like, and I don't want to skip too far ahead because I know we have more, well, there is more to talk about, but I really love when she is like, Jesus is asking Bartimaeus, like, what do you want me to do for you? And I think that's the question that Jesus is asking all of us. Like, what do we want? And we need to start there and be honest with God and present our desire to him invite him into that process and and then put ourselves in situations through these practices that just make us more open and available to god and i really liked she has a quote she said your desire for more of god than you have right now your longing for love your need for deeper levels of spiritual transformation than you have experienced so far is the truest thing about you. And it reminds me of the breaking free from body shame, which to be honest, I can't remember (laughs) what she said, but, but it was, she has a, the truest thing about you. And I think depending on where we are in a particular season, just grasping to that when we're searching for this desire and we're working through this process I think is really really helpful and I'm gonna go find what she said if I can remember I think she said you are a daughter of God I think that was the truest thing about you okay that makes sense but um but yeah I think I think starting with that desire and then letting 
the practices flow from there. And acknowledging that this is not up to me to do, but I'm willing to do it is is really, really important. Yeah, I, I like that. Like even that feels like a low pressure kind of like trauma informed reminder of like um like it starts with desire and if you lose your desire for your closeness to god like we might need to slow down like if we get so bogged down by like i it has to look like this i could see for me especially how that would take away the desire really quick and so i think that's going to be a good reminder as we go through this for me just like come back to that desire. Um, yeah. Cause even the word discipline, I know with like kids, I've reframed that as like discipline is learning. Um, but yeah, that word is still hard for me. I like rebel against it so much. And I mm-hmm. think um, I like what you said about like, you know, you can't be perfect at silence. You know, we have to allow for, for the mystery of this. And I think like I, like in Isaiah, um, this is like one of the only scriptures I have memorized, but Isaiah 26, three, God is like, I will give my perfect peace to those who set their eyes on me. And I feel like such a desire for his perfect peace when I feel like, like so lost and so frenzied and life feels so difficult that I'm like, I think that's when I can get into a place of if I could just do the right thing, if I could just set my eyes on him in the, you know, quote unquote, right way, then I get his perfect peace. And I, I think that's that's what I'm chasing when it's like, how can I do these rhythms right? And I think there's some like flaws in my thinking there, but th- that's kind of where I feel my thoughts gravitating towards. Mm, yeah. So when she, I think it's page 22, where she talks about naming our desire in Christ's presence. Um, I think, I don't know if, if you feel this way, but I think sometimes I notice that I'm longing for his perfect peace or I'm longing for safety or I'm longing for security but I'm like afraid to name it in front of him. It's this weird thing. Like I notice it mm-hmm. and then I almost go and distract myself or I do something else instead of taking moments to just sit before God. And and so I really like, I'm still thinking about this, which also reminds me of what you said of like, oh, I don't have silence down. <laughs> and I'm like, I... I don't have any of these things down. I'm just like trying to work through all of them. But when she writes, when was the last time you felt it? Your longing, that is. Your own longing, that is. You're longing for love. You're longing for God. You're longing to live your life as it is meant to be lived. When was the last time you felt a longing for healing and fundamental change groaning within you? And then she goes on and she's talking through how in many religious circles we're more accustomed to silencing the desire distancing ourselves from it because we're suspicious of it you know isn't there something better i should be doing isn't desire volatile like are what if i take what if they take me down a road and propel me down a path that i shouldn't travel 
Worse yet, what if I touch that place of longing and desire within me and let myself really feel how deep it goes only to discover that those desires cannot be met? And I think that exactly is what I'm afraid of. I think that's why I tend to stop myself instead of just going and and being honest and talking through it. I think sometimes I'm like, is this really... Like, is God really going to meet that desire of mine? Or am I just going to, like, open up this can of worms and I'm not going to know what to do with myself? And I'm going to be even more emotional (laughs) than I am normally. But I think that, I think that I'm not the only person that feels that way. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel the same way. Like, that probably, I'm going to notice, like, the next time, like, I, you know, am craving God's perfect peace, but then choose to not or end up not like naming what my desire is in Christ's presence um, because there is the fear that those desires won't be met. Like I think of like parenting and um, just staying home with my kids is the hardest thing I do all week um, for the two days during the week I do that. Um, And I wish that was more enjoyable for me. Um, and kids, like, yeah, they're fantastic. They're so fun. Like, as I'm sitting here now recording this, like, I'm I'm missing my children. I miss them when I'm working. Um, but, like, staying home was very hard for me. And, you know, I think my desire would be, like, how can I make this easier? Um, I, I want this to be easier, God. I want to enjoy staying home with my kids. And I have had those seasons, but I feel like it's, like, such a place of – I don't even know, health, connection to Christ that I have to be in to like stay in that place. And it's very easy to like fall out of that um, pretty constantly, I feel. But I do like this idea of like, you know, naming our desire in Christ's presence, like, you know, Jesus asking us like, what do you want me to do for you? And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times I would end up being like, I don't know, like, I just don't want to feel like this anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think about that too. I mean, I I also find myself sometimes when I hear that question, I'm like, hmm, what do I think God wants me to say? <laughs> and I'm like, I think I'm missing that. I think I'm missing the point. Um, but for those who maybe aren't reading the book or maybe read it a while ago, what we're referencing when we talk about what do you want me to do for you? We're talking about in Mark chapter 10, there's the story of Jesus's encounter with the blind Bartimaeus. And so we don't know how long Bartimaeus had been begging by the side of the road, but on this particular day, Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by and was so desperate for God, um, that he was basically screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, even though there were a lot of people around, he heard him and he heard the honesty, the desperation, just the humanness of Bartimaeus's cry. And so Jesus went over to him and she talks about later too, just imagine being face to face with Jesus, like just sidebar, that would just be, (laughs) I don't know what I would do, but 
Jesus asks Bartimaeus, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And what I find really interesting and I'm still thinking about is just the fact that, like, Jesus, I'm assuming, can tell that Bartimaeus is is blind. But he wants him, nonetheless, to vocalize what he wants, which I'm just, like, hitting. It's just hitting me right now as I'm saying that. And... And so then he heals him and says, well, the, well, Bartimaeus says, Rabbi, I want to see. He does vocalize it. And then Jesus heals him and says, go, your faith has healed you. And she just keeps talking about how, back to what we were talking about earlier, like this desire that we have to be with God, to be loved, to transform is the truest thing about us. And Sometimes we think that our sinfulness is the truest thing about us, but the reality is our desire for God and our capacity to reach for more of God than we have is the deepest thing, the deepest, truest thing about us. And so, I don't know, I'm just thinking through that and it's just really encouraging to me. And it's really interesting to think about Jesus asking me, what do what what do you want me to do for you? Just like in Invitation to Silence and Solitude, God asks Elijah, like, what are you doing here? Like it's these very basic questions <laughs> that are just piercing me. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. What I don't know what I want. And maybe that's the point of getting silent is getting honest with yourself. And getting to know yourself too, so that you can relate to God more clearly. Yes, all of that sounds so good. <laughs> I liked so much of that, and I, yeah, because I feel like my, like my main, like craving is like certainty that I'm doing the right thing, and. I know in the book, Ruth said, like, she had this realization um, when her, like, family banded together to do something special for one of them, which was, like, throw the 15 um, – sorry, I'm, like, stumbling over my words – the 15-year-old's – her birthday party or whatever, her 15-year-old birthday party. Um, And then there was a moment there where she interacted with a kid and it just was like she had this certainty and this realization of, you know, I'm living my life as it is meant to be lived in God. And I feel like I – that's what I want. I want this like affirmation that I'm doing the right thing. Um, And that's probably like my biggest like craving of all if I was to have to like vocalize what I want to God. Yeah. I like that. I really, I I like cried a little (laughs) when I read that passage because this kid is just like so pure, you know, like that's, I think that's what we all want to just, he, she says as he, he paused mid catch up, returned my gaze and said with incredible, I can't say that word. You know what I'm saying. Um, He said, really? As though he was completely unaccustomed to being enjoyed. And I'm just like, 
I think that's what we all want on some level is to just know that we are okay like we are good like we are loved um and I really I, I loved that and I like that that by the world standard probably doesn't sound that impressive just the idea that you had people over and everyone just felt really seen and loved and had a really good time and we were all present to this love like we weren't worried or thinking about something else and I'm just like that's that's what I want so I'm excited as well to keep going I feel like this chapter was a great introduction and we'll just see how things continue um the only thing Carly feel free if there's anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up I was going to just read the practice that she includes, just in case people aren't reading the book with us. But before I do that, is yeah. there anything else we want to talk about? No, I think that that's good. I'm excited to keep reading. And um, yeah, I think it's a great idea to share the practice. Okay, cool. So just for everyone who doesn't know, at the end of each chapter, I think, I think at the end of each chapter, there's a practice. And so I'm just going to read this one. and. And then we'll conclude. Okay, it says, settle into a comfortable position that allows you to remain alert. Breathe deeply in this moment as a way of releasing any tension you might be holding and becoming aware of God's presence, which is closer than your breath. Allow yourself to enjoy God's presence in quietness for a few moments. When you feel ready, imagine yourself in the historical setting of the story of Bartimaeus as it unfolds in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Or imagine yourself in your own place of need. Read the story slowly, seeing yourself as the person needing something from Christ and calling out to him from the noisy crowd. How do you approach him or try to get his attention? What words do you use? What emotions do you feel? Imagine that in response to your cry, Jesus turns to you. Now you're face to face with one another. Allow yourself the full realization that you have Jesus' complete attention and hear his question addressed to you. What do you want me to do for you? Do not be afraid of emotion. It's important to let yourself feel how deep your desire goes. You may need to sit with the question and your response for quite some time before you have fully gotten in touch with your heart's desire or have fully expressed it. Give this question and its answer all the time it needs. You may want to go for a walk with the question, lie in the grass and feel the warmth of the sun, curl up under a blanket, journal your response, engage in writing or artistic expression. If you choose to journal, it might help to begin with the statement, God, what I most need slash want from you right now is, and then let your thoughts flow. Listen for Christ's response. Don't feel as if you have to do anything. Simply relish the intimacy and richness that come when we are able to be with what is in God's presence. Thanks all for tuning in to this episode, and we'll be back with the next chapter.